Do you ever have trouble sleeping? I do, which is why I'm going to be preaching through the book of Acts. Not because I think my preaching through the book of Acts will help you to sleep, but one night this past fall, I couldn't fall asleep. And so, as I was lying there and trying to settle my brain, a random remembrance came to mind. It, it was a, it was a line from a, from a message that I heard. I don't, I don't know who said it, what speaker said it, or, or, or when I heard it, but, but I remembered them saying, Ellen White encourages everyone to study carefully Isaiah 58, chapter 58. Now, I'm not preaching on Isaiah chapter 58, but, but when that thought came into my mind as I was unable to sleep, that quote led to this thought. What else does she encourage us to study carefully? Are there other things that she encourages us to study carefully? And since I couldn't sleep and I had these thoughts bouncing around in my brain, I went to my trusty LNG White app, E.G. White Writings app. Thank you to Daryl Thompson and the LNG White estate for all the work that he does and that they do uh, on the app and the E.G. White Writings website to give us this this great gift of literature right at our, our fingertips. But I began to do a couple different searches. Study carefully or do careful study. And I just put those things in. And then when I would come across relevant finds, I would copy and paste them into my phone notes. And I ended up with 38 topics or passages that we are encouraged to study carefully. But it was the fourth item that I found that led to this sermon series. In a letter that Ellen White penned in 1909, we find the following words. The whole, the entirety, she says the whole though, the whole of the book of Acts should, be, should receive careful study. The whole of the book of Acts should receive careful study. And when I read that, even though I continued my search and continued to list the other topics, and passages we are encouraged to study, that quote rested on my brain. And then later I came to this quote, which is quoted in the book Last Day Events. Let those who desire to be refreshed in mind and instructed in the truth to study the history of the early church during and immediately following the day of Pentecost. Study carefully in the book of Acts the experiences of Paul and the other apostles for God's people in our day must pass through similar experience. Do you want to be refreshed in mind? Do you want to be instructed in truth? Do you want to understand, do you want to have understanding into the experiences that we must go through in the last days? Those all sound like really good reasons to study carefully the book of Acts. And so here we are beginning a series on the book of Acts. Now, I'll confess to you that, that, that I've wanted to preach through the book of Acts multiple times over the last several years. But, but whenever I prayed about it in the past, I felt that God was saying, this is not what I want you to preach about right now. There was always something else that, that God seemed to lead me to preach about. So I was grateful when, when I read that, that quote and, and the conviction came to mind that now is the time. So I'm excited 
that we get to go through a study through my favorite book of the Bible. I say a strong amen when I read John Stott's words. Thank God for the Acts of the Apostles, also known as the book of Acts. The New Testament would be greatly impoverished without it. Amen to that, Elder Stott. The New Testament would be greatly impoverished without it. I want us to get many things out of our study. But first I want to tell you what I don't want you to take away from the study. First I want to tell you what, what, what I'm not trying to do through this study. I don't want to over-romanticize the book of Acts or the early church. I don't want you to take away the idea that the first church was, was perfect or, or that we have to do everything exactly like the first church. There has been danger in history of over-romanticizing the early church and what we read in the chapters of Acts. When we do this, we miss key pictures, insights into the struggles of humanity and the struggles of church. We miss the rivalries and the hypocrisies and the immoralities and the heresies which troubled the church then just as they trouble the church now. As Will Willimon wrote, the church meets no failure or deceit in the world that it has not first encountered in itself even among those who founded and led the very first congregations. The church meets no failure or deceit in the world that it has not first encountered in itself. What, what we experience in the world, the rivalries, the hypocrisy, the immorality, we've experienced that in our own walls as well. And so did the first church, the first congregation that was pastored by Peter, James, and John, and all the rest. I also don't want us to over-romanticize the early church because then there is a tendency to focus on the exactness of what we are told through Luke's narrative. And we miss the principles. Luke is the author, by the way, of the book of Acts. And we miss the, the principles and how they can be applied to our time and our context. For example, one of the weirdest stories in, in I believe, all the Bible is found in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, we are told people brought the sick to the streets so that Peter's shadow could fall on them, and they could be healed. There are some pretty righteous and godly people within our community of faith, within the Spencerville Church even. I don't think it would be advisable for any of us or any of you to chase them down just to try to lay in their shadow. Now, what might be an, that might be an obvious example, but, but what about how they chose leaders? Should we choose leaders still through the casting of lots in Acts 1? But are there principles in that that we could learn? Or what about the statement that they shared all their possessions? They had all their possessions they brought and shared them in common in Acts chapter 2. Are these must-dos for the current church? We'll explore these ideas and the, and the principles that we can garner through these ideas, even if we are not to follow them exactly in our day and age. But what I do want us to get, here's what I do want you and what I want myself to get from our time studying the book of Acts. I want us to get a passion, a renewed passion, or maybe a first-time passion 
for our own salvation and for the salvation of others. Luke, who wrote the chapters in the Bible that we refer to as the book of Acts or the Acts of the Apostles, also wrote the chapters in the Bible that we refer to as the Gospel of Luke. And, and both of these books are filled with markers that point us to Jesus' mission to save people from their sins. And not just some people, but all people. Salvation, wrote Howard Marshall, is the central motif in Lucan theology, both in the gospel in which we see it accomplished and in the book of Acts in which we see it proclaimed. Some people believe that Luke was so passionate about the salvation of, of all humanity because he himself was a Gentile. Now, there's others that don't believe that Luke was a Gentile. I recently was talking with a friend who, who gave insight into that idea. I don't know either way. I haven't studied enough. But, but whatever it was, it is very clear, whether he was Gentile or Jew, he was very clear that he was passionate about salvation. And the gospel actually comes through the book of Acts. As, as we look at some of the things in the book of Acts, we oftentimes look at methodology, but, but let us not miss the gospel that is in the book of Acts. Michael Green commented, it is astonishing that in view of the frequency with which Luke uses salvation terminology, more attention has not been paid to it. We read Acts and we say, okay, we should have small groups. Okay, we should, we should sacrifice for the poor. Okay, we need to think about this and that. But the gospel runs through the book of Acts. So let's not miss that. Acts highlights that salvation of humanity is something that God has always been working towards. Ever since we sinned and abandoned our relationship with God, He has been working for our salvation. This idea of of God always working for our salvation is highlighted in the sermons of Peter and Paul, not to mention Stephen's defense when he's about to get stoned. In these speeches or, or sermons, as some may call them, which are all found in the pages of the book of Acts, we will study and see that Jesus' life, His death, His resurrection, His reign in heaven, and the gift of the Holy Spirit are all seen as the culmination of centuries of promise for the salvation of people. God has worked. God is working. will continue to work to save humanity. That is good news, and that's right in the book of Acts. Salvation is something given to us by Jesus. It is a, a free gift. It's not something we earn or we work for. One writer I read believes that the book should be, not be called the Acts of the Apostles because, because he feels that that puts too much emphasis on the works of humanity. The works of humanity. When he says the book of Acts is replete with the works of Jesus and his salvation. Salvation is only a gift that comes through Jesus. Acts give us, gives us the, the crystal clear verse. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no, under, no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Acts is not just a book about methodology. It is a book reminding us of the salvific work of Jesus. That's good news. Finally, 
Acts highlights very clearly that Acts, that, that salvation is good news for all of us. Acts chapter 2 and verse 39 says, The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. And then in story after story after story in the book of Acts, Luke reminds us that Jesus is here to save the Jews and the Gentiles, the faithful and the unfaithful, the, the wretched sinner and the pious priest. Jesus wants to save all. You and I might not be born into any privilege or into anything special. We may have no real knowledge of Jesus or church. We might, might not even have an education or wealth. Or maybe we are well-educated. Maybe we do have wealth. Maybe we do have a, a, a strong grasp of Scripture. Either way, there is no difference to Jesus, and that is clear in the book of Acts. As salvation, the theme of salvation runs through this book. He's seeking to save us all. All of these gospel points are in this, the pages that we refer to as the book of Acts or Acts of the Apostles. So I pray that we will see that as we study this book. I also pray that we will see what God can do with ordinary people when, when they are led by the Holy Spirit, when they are empowered by the Holy Spirit, when they are, when they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Arthur Pearson, in his commentary, said that, that he thinks that perhaps we should not call it Acts of the Apostles, but we should actually call it Acts of the Holy Spirit. For from first to last, it is the record of the activity of the Spirit working in ordinary people. You right now, where you're sitting right there, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and you can do amazing things for Jesus. And that is what we see in the book of Acts. Ordinary people transforming a city, a, a, a county, a state, a country, and the world for Jesus Christ. Make sure you don't miss that. The power of the Holy Spirit as we read through these chapters. In fact, in the very first two verses of the book of Acts, we are given a picture that, that this God who starts this church that we see in the book of Acts, that, that we have formed out of in 2021, in these very first verses, in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, they set Christianity, they set the Christian church apart from all other religions, apart from all other churches. Let's read that. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Just reading verses 1 and 2. In my first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until when the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. These two verses set Christianity apart. They set the Christian church apart from every other religion. How so? Other religions 
regard their founders as having completed their ministries during their lifetime. Luke says this. Luke says Jesus only just began his work. He began, which means there is more beyond. Yes, he finished the work of making us right with God, the thing we call atonement. There is nothing we can do to add to our own salvation. But, but after Jesus' death, there was the resurrection. Then there was his 40 days of walking on this earth. Then there was his, his ascension. But just before his ascension back into heaven, he gave instructions to his followers. Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. And then he had an expectation that his followers would again, would continue to do and to teach the things that he had done and taught. The chapters of Acts are for people that don't want church as status quo. The, the chapters, the pages of Acts are, are for people that, that are not satisfied with sitting around and doing nothing. The, the chapters of the book of Acts are, are for people who want to continue what Jesus began so many years ago. That's why this book is not just about methods and, and practices of a church, but, but it is about proclaiming and proclaiming and proclaiming again through the power of the Holy Spirit the salvation of Jesus Christ. To again quote Pearson, Church of Christ, the records of these acts of the Holy Spirit have never reached completeness. This is the one book. This is the one book which has no proper close. There is no salutation at the end of this book. There is no goodbye or that's it for now. There is no proper close, Pearson says, because it waits for new chapters to be added so fast and so far as the people of God will let the Holy Spirit have a proper place in their lives. Folks, the book of Acts never ends because Jesus is still calling us, his chosen followers, to teach and to do the works and the teachings that he began all those years ago. Y'all, as we begin this study through the book of Acts, my prayer is that we as a church, that we as people, that we as individuals join Jesus who only just began his work years ago by writing more chapters to the great book of salvation through the power of the Holy Spirit. So over the, over the next several months, I exhort you, I challenge you, as the great Martin Lloyd-Jones challenged his own church. Live in this book. It is a tonic, the greatest tonic I know of the realm of the Holy Spirit. Live in this book. Let us pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for the conviction that you laid on my heart through, through the writings of Ellen White that the whole book of Acts should be given careful study. Lord, as we begin this journey, let us give it careful study. If in the past we've seen Acts as just a narrative about 
how to do church or, or some miracles here and there, Lord. Help us not to miss that it is a story of the continuing blessing of salvation. It is a story of the continual calling of your followers to do the things that you did and to teach the things that you taught, Jesus. Help us not to miss that it is a story and it is a truth about what can happen when ordinary people like me and like my brothers and sisters can do when the Holy Spirit takes over. So Lord, may we study this book and may it lead us to live, as Dr. Jones said, to live in the realm of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, just as you change the world through this church, change us that we may change the world for your honor and glory in 2021. In your name I pray. Amen.